Hear the word of God from Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1a and 2 through 6. The reading comes from the New Revised Standard Version, which you can find the reading on 555 in the Pew Bible. Nonetheless, those who were in distress won't be exhausted. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in a pitch-dark land, light has dawned. You have made the nation great. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as those who divide plunder rejoice. As on the day of Midian, you've shattered the yoke that burdened them, the staff on their shoulders, and the rod of their oppressor. Because every boot of the thundering warriors and every garment rolled in blood will be burned, fuel for the fire. A child is born to us, a son is given to us, and authority will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. The book of Isaiah is a story of a people in exile, a people who were lost and confused, far removed from home, longing for a sense of hope, lacking in a sense of awe and wonder. In other words, in many ways, a story of you and me. It starts out well enough. The book of Isaiah begins with lots of awe and lots of wonder, beginning with the call of Isaiah himself, the great prophet, who sees a majestic vision, an an awe-inspiring vision of God high and lifted up, sitting on a throne in the temple, surrounded by angels, each angel with six wings, an awe-inspiring vision that fills Isaiah with, with wonder. But then before that chapter is over, the camera pans downward, down to earth, down to ordinary people like you and me. And there Isaiah finds a people who are not lost in wonder, but caught up in the drudgery of life, caught up in the mundaneness and the tragedy of their own existence. Isaiah describes people like this in this way. They listen, but do not comprehend. They, they look, but do not understand. Their minds are dull. Their ears are stopped, and their eyes are shut. In other words, people who've lost their ability to wonder. That's all in Isaiah chapter 6. But three chapters later... In Isaiah 9, right there in the passage that Kelly just read for us, the tone shifts dramatically. All of a sudden, these people who are walking in darkness are now able to be filled with hope and light and love and wonder. The exiles have been given a new vision, one in which they have claimed their hope in God for new life and new possibility, a life of freedom from their exile and return to wonder. You, you heard it yourself in this text, this classic text for Advent every year. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. That sounds like hope to me. That sounds like wonder. 
Now, over these past three weeks, you know that much of our worship series have been about hope. And it's been our hope that along the way you have been able to not only identify the areas of your life when you are in need of hope, desperate or lost or confused, but that you have been able to hear that clear call from God, especially last Sunday, when God says to all of us, I am already in your future, and I can tell you that your future is bright, and I am calling you to claim that hope and live into the brighter days ahead that I have for you. That is the promise of God for us as we begin this Advent journey, a promise that was so beautifully captured generations ago by Julian of Norwich, who promised us, which God promises us, all shall be well, and all shall be well, and all manner of things shall be well. But... But just because God is already in our future, just because God is in our future offering us hope, doesn't necessarily mean that we have claimed that hope for ourselves. It doesn't mean that we believe that hope. It doesn't mean that we can see that hope. It doesn't mean that we receive that hope. You see, You see, there is that promise of hope that comes to us from God. But the question is, are we able to see it? Are we able to claim it? And it could be that the one thing that is preventing you this morning from receiving that hope from God, that hope that God is offering to you right now, is a lack of a sense of wonder in your life. Alison Gopnik is a professor of psychology at the University of California in Berkeley. And she wrote a book a few years ago called The Philosophical Baby. And the premise of the book is that children might be more aware and observant of their surroundings than adults. She claims that children may even have a higher degree of curiosity and a higher sense of wonder that somehow we lose as we grow older. A very simple and compelling premise, which, which prompted responses from all across the country, from people who read her book, people who shared with her stories that affirmed that premise, in which they gave her stories of how their own children were able to observe things that they themselves as adults missed because they were too worried or distracted or nervous or busy. One such story came from a gentleman who works as a security guard at a department store. To do his job, he sits in his observation deck high above the department store floor, way up high on a perch close to the ceiling so that he could observe all that was happening down below, just to keep everything ordered and safe and secure. This is what this security guard observed. Grown-ups would be so singularly focused on the reason for their visit that from the moment they came in through the front doors of the department store, they would be so distracted by the things that they needed to do in that store that they would never notice him high above on his perch looking at them. But their children would always glance up and wave. (laughs) Unbeknownst to the adults, 
who are so busy trying to find the best deals and look for the right size and choose the right color and stand in lines and look at their phones and fish out their credit cards, their children would catch every little glimpse of things that were happening all around the store. Their eyes would dart around all the lights, all of the sounds, all of the faces, even the image of a person sitting high and lifted up above them to make sure they were safe. You see, that is what a capacity to wonder will bring you. It will give you the ability to pay attention, to look for, and to see things that you would otherwise miss because of how busy and distracted and worried you are. The ability to see God's love and God's power at work in you and around you at every given moment. And that is what the Israelites were going through in the book of Isaiah. They were so consumed by their lostness, so filled with anxiety about their exile, that they lost their ability to see that high above them the entire time was someone who was looking down at them to guarantee their safety and their security. What is it about being an adult that makes us lose that sense of wonder? At what point did you lose it? At what point did I lose it? At what point did my life become so burdened, so busy, so noisy and so distracted that I became so jaded and so cynical about how wonderful life can be? At what point as we were growing up did we start to take things for granted and start to lose that ability to be amazed by the world around us? the capacity to even be alive and to be in relationships with others? What is it about being a child that enables children to have a sense of wonder that somehow we lose? Wouldn't it be nice if we could get past that jaded cynicism, get past that sense of self-reliance and self-assuredness that diminishes our capacity to see the world. Wouldn't it be nice if we could live and breathe and move and see a lot like this kid in this video that went viral a few weeks ago? It's of a baby boy named Mick whose mother took him to a Costco, a big box store, and it was there that he was filled with wonder. Please, the next time you go to a grocery store, act like that kid, would you? Ooh, mac and cheese. Or better yet, recapture your sense of wonder of God who is always with you, always around you, always working in your life. And in fact, that is the basis for our worship series this Advent. 
between now and Christmas Eve, each of these Sundays, in a series that we have titled The Wonder of Christmas, we will look at practical ways for you to step out of the darkness and behold the light of God that is coming into your midst. A light that, in fact, has always been there, that has never left you, but that it is so easy to miss because of how distracted we are. It is our hope that each of these Sundays you will walk away with a practical way to shut off the busyness and to focus on the wonder, today the wonder of your hope. And so it begins with with what I think is a very important fundamental first step in this series. Here's the premise that we offer for you today. If you want to recapture a sense of wonder, turn off the distractions and simply be present to God and be present to one another. Turn off the distractions and be fully present in your relationships with each other and fully present to God. Two weeks ago, Vicki Walker shared with the staff and her Facebook friends an article by a New York City psychologist named Kathleen Schaffler, who wrote an article with a compelling title. It was, How to Change Your Life in One Second Flat. How to Change Your Life in One Second Flat. Compelling title. With a surprisingly simple premise. When you are with someone else, when you are physically with someone else and sharing an important moment with them, be present to them. Be fully present to them. That's it. Sounds simple, but you know it's not easy. I very well know it is not easy. Despite all of the interactions that you and I have with people time and again on any given day, it is so easy to get distracted by all the busyness, all the things that we have in our minds, all the noise around us, all the, all the deadlines in our hearts, even, even the devices in our hands. You know this as well as I do. And in fact, Dr. Schaffler gives some commonplace scenarios in this article, a number of which I bet you can identify with. Her first example, the love of your life walks into the room before bed and you barely look up from your phone. I can hear the elbows going into the sides of people (laughs) in the sanctuary right now. Except you didn't feel that elbow in your side because you're busy on your phone right now. Second example. You meet your best friend for lunch, and you go through the motions of the hug and you exchange preliminary pleasantries. You know, things like, you look so cute, and the, it took forever to get here. Sorry, that was my impersonation of you. That was very rude. You go through all of these pleasantries, but you don't really authentically mean it. You're not actually feeling much when you say it. The third example she gives, you're tying your daughter's shoe before school, and when you're done, you get up to reach for her packed lunch and hand it to her while you're simultaneously reaching for your car keys and checking your phone all 
without looking at her. So what does this mean? It means putting down your smartphone. It means stopping whatever else you are doing that might distract you from quality time with that other person. It means not just going through the motions, but really trying to connect at an authentic emotional level with your loved one, with your family member, with your spouse, with your coworker, with your neighbor, with your competitor, with your adversary, with your enemy. And all it really means, according to Dr. Schaffler, is looking into their faces for one full second. That's all it means. That's all it means. Looking at them directly, catching them in their gaze, looking them eye to eye, not looking past them, not looking distractedly at them, not letting your eyes wander around to anything else that's going on, not looking down at what's in your hand or what's all around you, not thinking in your mind about something else, but one full second just looking into their faces to show them with your posture and with your eyes that you are fully present with them in that moment. Just even in that second, you are with them. So that in that second, you and that other person could exchange answers to the four fundamental questions, the four classic questions posed by the great poet Maya Angelou. Maya Angelou said that there are four questions that we subconsciously, unconsciously ask and answer with that other person when we are engaged in a moment with them. And these are the four questions. One, do you see me? I mean, really see me. Two, do you care that I'm here? Three, am I enough for you, or do you need me to be better in some way? Four, can I tell that I'm special to you by the way that you look at me? Just think about those four questions for a moment. Consider how those questions are ones that are being asked and answered whenever you are in the physical presence of someone, engaging in a moment with them. Consider how deep your relationship with that person can really go if you are able to answer four for four, the affirmative, to say yes to all four of those questions. Yes, I know you can see me. Yes, you care that I'm here. Yes, I know that I'm enough for you. Yes, I can tell by the way you look at me that I am special to you. If you want to be filled again with a sense of wonder this Advent, then I encourage you, step one, be fully present to one another. Recapture that wonderful sense of simply being alive and being in a relationship with other people. And by the way, those four questions also apply to our relationship with God. I mean, you knew that was coming, didn't you? 
Consider the ways that those four questions should shape our relationship with God and the way that we see God. What would it be like if these four questions shape your prayer life as a way of asking God to increase your capacity to wonder? What would it be like if you heard God ask you, do you see me? I mean, really sense the presence of God. Here, God asks you, do you care that I'm here? Here, God asks you, am I enough for you? Here, God asks you, can I tell that I'm special to you by the way that you look at me? If you do, you know what you'll sense? You will sense the God of Isaiah, the God of that department store, the God who is high and lifted up who has been watching you the whole time to guarantee for you a future with hope. This Advent, set down the distractions. Still yourself with silence and be fully present to God. And if you do, you can be like those exiles who could step out from the darkness and experience the light the light that has been shining this whole time, but this time you can sense it for yourself. Let us pray together. Gracious God, in a few moments you are calling us forward to receive communion, this holy and sacred act in which you are physically present with us. As we prepare to come forward, renew within us a sense of wonder that we might sense your full presence with us. Forgive us, O Lord, for being so distracted, for being so burdened by our own worries and nervousness that we have failed to sense your presence in any given moment. Help us instead, O Lord, to be like a kid in a Costco store, so amazed by your wonder and your love that we cannot help but be amazed. Oh God, grant us that same presence in our relationships with others. May we relate to them fully and authentically and receive from them the same so that we might journey once again to Christmas ready to receive your presence made flesh and dwelling among us. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, and let all God's people say, Amen.